by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. verse 7 we're going to go through 13 and this has been the theme scripture for our series we're uh, week four into our series soap a clean series for a dirty world and if many of you remember pastor had you know a table with all these plastic bins and and um, you know washing his hands and and how it's the spirit and the holy spirit or the holy ghost's job to cleanse us to transform us to change us um, and so we began this series uh, four weeks ago, and uh, I want to um, read our theme scripture. Amen? Amen? Psalms 51 verse 7 begins by saying, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners would turn back to you. Say turn back. Turn back. So the series is, is based on evangelism and how we need to reach out those are, um, that are dying. Those that are, um, uh, do not have their eternity decided. We are grateful. We believe wholeheartedly uh, that that Louis is with the Lord, with a with a with a perfect body now. Those closest to him uh, also confirm that they believe that. So, in a sense, there's some joy in where uh, he is completely healed. But for millions, and if we just think about this city. Uh, the city of Brea, there's hundreds and thousands of people who don't know the Lord, don't know that there's a heaven and an earth, don't know about love, mercy, grace, salvation, forgiveness, redemption, repentance, you name it. So when Pastor came up with the, um, uh, the series about evangelism, a, a clear series for a dirty world, that was, um, uh, that was the mindset be, be behind that. Yes, we need to build a strong church in here. But we also need to be strong so we can go out and share the gospel. Amen. One of his quotes in week one was, It is not godly to have the peace and the warmth of salvation, yet watch people in the world drown in their sin and do nothing about it. 
do nothing about it. See, when the church is preaching the Word of God, it's a double-sided sword. We're strong inside and we're strong outside. Luke 14, 23 says, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. The idea is so that he or we can bring those to be healed. We can bring in those people that can be changed and transformed. We can save a Louis from eternal damnation. Many of us got here because of an invitation. Many of us, somebody shared the good news with us. For us to hold that and not share it, I believe breaks God's heart. I believe that because the Bible tells us in 2 Peter verse 3, chapter 9, it is God's will for all of us to be saved. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish, but all to come to repentance. That is God's will. And in, in, in week one when we talked about sincerely subjective, we talked about using your testimony and your specifics in your testimony to, to evangelize, to be an evangelist. Gary mentioned uh, Pastor Billy Hall. He is in nature an evangelist. He's been all over the world. We will see him next Sunday at celebration service. But God's will is that no one would perish. And he uses us to accomplish that will. But the truth of the matter is, some will not come to know the Lord. Amen? Amen. And that's heartbreaking. Because we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. In week one we talked about your testimony can be used uh, the greatest for evangelism. Sincerely subjective. Matthew 14, 18, Jesus says, bring them here. Then he had the people sit on the grass. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. All God is asking us to do is bring them here. Bring them to know Jesus. Let him do the rest. Bring them here. That was week one of the series. Week two, we looked at obviously objective. Another way to evangelize is to use the Word of God. Obviously objective. Truth. Spiritual truth. Nothing but the truth. One of pastor's quotes were, If God wants this for this church, then we should believe that God wants it for all churches. Amen. Obviously objective. Clearly, constant, the Word of God, not based on our feelings or circumstances, but factual. The gospel is objective and one size fits all. Right. Nothing changes in this Bible. We're going to get into it, but um, this Bible was written uh, almost 2,200 years ago. And it took over 1,000 years to, to write. And over 40 different authors in three different continents. And there's not one contradiction in this to this day. Objective, truth, divinely inspired. Yes, it was penned by men, but inspired by the Spirit. 
And that's what we need to clean a dying world. Amen? Last week I had the privilege of sharing um, the third part in this series. Always be aware. Once you have the Spirit of God, guess what? All of a sudden you're aware, right? You've given your life to God and all of a sudden you're like, Ooh, uh, I didn't know I talked like that. Or, Ooh, that is ugly. I didn't know I used to do that. You just become completely aware. You, come be, you become alert about certain things. Some things kind of matter in your life. It's not what you drive and, and who you know, but it's, it's not the duration of time, but it's the donation of your time. Things change in your life. You become alert and aware. When the Spirit lives inside of you, we have to be alert and aware of life and death opportunities. We need to be able to share the gospel to people that are dying. We're not asking you to take a Bible, open it up, and take the, you know, Psalms 119, the largest chapter in this book, and, 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 and throw it at them and say, man, you're rotten. No. Look what God has done in my life. Be sincerely subjective, right? And then look what God says in the Bible. Be obviously objective. And then say, listen, look at what happened in my life. Be alert and be aware and say, this is where I was. This is where God has brought me. It's been, uh, it's been a wild ride for my family and, and, and my wife. Um, I've got a couple of pictures I want to share with you, and she's not going to be happy. But uh, we just hit our anniversary. And so, um, we, we, amen. We... Uh, let me tell you, it's not easy, a family of eight. Um, but we, we, have, uh, we have done everything that we could um, previously to knowing each other and knowing the Lord. And then we realized that God can do it much better than us. Amen. And so he brings this large, blended family together, six total kids, and we've never had more peace in our life uh, than ever before. And it's only because we allowed God to be the light in it. Do you have those pictures, Zach? Um, uh, so that's one of my panoramics at Crystal Cove. We spent the entire day at the beach. No kids, no phones. I mean, we walked out and didn't have our phones. Um, but we just enjoyed the entire day. We had, we had breakfast. We had lunch. We had dinner out there. We spent it at Laguna. And you might say, well, none of these pictures we see you. And when I was going through the pictures yesterday, I thought, that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. The only reason we're successful is people see the light in us and not us. Amen. And I thought to myself, man, God, you are so good. But you become alert. You become aware. When the Spirit of God is inside of you, things change in your life. It's not about your 401k and what you can do and how you're going to retire and what you drive and, and where your next vacation is. Is No, how can I change somebody's life? How can I help somebody? How can I give in to somebody? How can I take care of some boys who have lost their father? How can I love on a, on a wife that just lost her husband? Because that's value. That's valuable. The Bible tells us everything else will rust and burn. So we lead into to this week. And uh, I've got a scripture for you. If you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew 25. 
So week one we talked about sincerely subjective and how your testimony can be used to evangelize. Week two we talked about obviously objective and how the word of God is still true today and can impact somebody right now to evangelize. Uh, last week we talked about uh, when you receive the spirit of God, you begin to become alert and aware of life and death opportunities uh, and what's important. Uh, eternity, salvation, uh, everlasting peace. Gary mentioned it, a peace that's beyond um, understanding. So week four, I want to focus on this, but I want to read this, uh, uh, this parable. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridemaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Say foolish. foolish. Five of them were wise. Say wise. wise. It is interesting to me that Jesus is already separating people and making them alert and aware, saying, listen, there's going to be some fools and there's going to be some wisdom. There's going to be some people who do it the wrong way and people who do it the right way. Let's carry on. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. Man, we got a problem when we're waiting on the Lord, right? The Bible tells us that Jesus is always frustrated and people, his disciples falling asleep at the garden and they can't stay up to pray with him. These bridemaids can't even wait up for the, for the bridegroom. They fall asleep. That's a message for a different time. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. Referring to the oil. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Verse 11, Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore you, knew, you know neither the day nor the hour. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for another opportunity to... To be here, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for what you're uh, willing to do, what you're about to do, Lord. I'm, I'm praying over Louie and Andrea and over the boys, Lord, Father, that uh, uh, I confer uh, with Gary, Lord. I'm asking for a spirit of peace to fall on the, the family and the boys, and I'm asking for a, 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 just a group of believers to come around that family and love on them and hug on them and bring them dinner and support them and, and do the things that we are called to do, Lord. Do the things that you've asked us to do. Your word tells us if, if, if somebody was hungry, would you give them a rock? Right now they need love and we need to share it. I pray that you would make a way for many of us to be able to do that. Strengthen us in this process. Strengthen them, Father God, as they mourn. And uh, Lord, just remind them, Father, that uh, he is basking in your glory, dancing in heaven right now and worshiping and looking down at this moment to his family. Lord, give us the opportunity to live our lives with no regrets, to be alert, to be aware, and to give all that we have, Father God. 
I pray that this word would be your words this morning. I pray that somebody's heart would be touched and that we would be open to receive it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 So this parable, Jesus really is, is, is teaching us a couple of things. But uh, this lesson of the value of preparedness over planning. Uh, I'm telling you right now, there is more value in preparation than prediction, than planning or prophecy. Can I say that again? There is more value in preparation than in planning, prophecy, or prediction. God is interested in us being prepared for everything. We are not called to know the future. We are not called to plan for things we do not see. We are not called to predict the future. Some of us are called to prophesy, but very few of us. So the majority of us are not called to prophesy. We are called to be properly prepared. That's the title for week four, properly prepared. And in this parable, Jesus describes to the Pharisees preparation and the biblical approach to it. How do I know? Jeremiah 29, 11 tells me, For I know the plans I have for you, declared the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and future. Leave the planning up to God. You just be prepared for whatever the plan may be. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. That tells us that we don't think like God. His ways are not our ways. So how do we get these plans when we talk about properly being prepared? In a sense, you know, the value of being prepared when it comes to the future. The word of God give us that, gives us that preparation when we, that we need to evangelize. We need to be properly prepared. How often, how often do we open up the Word of God? For many of us, it's three days. Some people say every day. That's wonderful. Some people a couple times a day. Some people don't open it unless there's drama going on. And it's funny, God would have it the other way for us. Most of us will jump into our prayer closet, jump into our knees, come to the altar, go to a church, open the Bible when all of hell is coming down on you. When you're literally struggling, overwhelmed, frustrated, see no means to an end. Then all of a sudden it's, oh my God, help me Lord, where am I? Let's find a church, get into the altar, get into the word. And truth be told, God would desire it the other way around. That you would seek him when things are wonderful, just as you would when things are worrisome. Amen. This book, The Living Word of God, like I mentioned, is, uh, is the most selling Bible in the history of the world. It's also the least read Bible book in the world. And we know these by a couple of things. Um, Amazon kicked off their Kindle in 2007. They began to take statistics. 
three of the top books in, in the Kindle's history from 2007 are the Holy Bible, Steve Jobs' biography, and the Hunger Games. Those are the three top books, and nothing comes close. So I would fair to ask you, if that's the truth, and we know whatever the internet says, it's got to be true, right? Why is it is the world and the church struggling so much? So much. I mean, there's destruction. There's devastation. There is death. There is uh, countries at war with each other. There are churches at war with each other. There are denominations fighting about what the Bible says and what it doesn't say. I mean, we are in shambles when it comes to peace here on earth. Some of the authors of this book, we've got a doctor got a professional scribe, we've got musicians, we've got a pastor, a tent maker, farmers, fishermen, a homeless prophet, all divinely inspired by the Spirit of God to write this book in a period of over a thousand years across three different continents. If that's not mind-blowing to you with no contradiction, if that doesn't prove to you that this is inspired and divinely inspired, the Word of God, I don't know what would. Let me tell you how bad we need the Spirit here in this church, in our lives, in our walk with Christ, and in this world. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let me interpretate. For our struggle has nothing to do with anything on this earth or flesh. Or in this world. Back to what the scripture says. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realm. Paul is telling the church of Ephesus, you have to guard yourself by putting on this entire armor and remember none of your battles have anything to do with this world. It's all spiritual, but we leave the Spirit of God out of everything. Tell me that's not ridiculous. Contradictory, right? It's like... A baby grand piano. That's kind of contradictory, right? It's like having 30-minute parking and a one-hour photo. It's a little contradictory. You can't do it both. We fight our battles without the Spirit of God, but the Bible tells us that none of the battles are of this world and of this flesh. So we leave the Spirit out. None of us are properly prepared for anything. I told you preparation is more important than prediction, than planning, and prophecy. So if the Bible tells us that everything is a spiritual battle, why do we leave the Spirit of God out? 
Verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground. If you do not have the spirit of God you will not be able to stand your ground. I'm not saying this, Paul is saying this and it's in the Bible. Then he describes the full armor with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in its place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flames and arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Okay, so let's backtrack. Because some of you are looking at me like, hey, where are you going with this? Don't worry, we will eventually land. But I want you to understand that the Bible's telling us that our battles have nothing to do with this earth, this, this earth and this world. That every single one of our battles is spiritual. And the Bible is saying that you cannot fight these spiritual battles without the Spirit of God. Okay, next. So what is the Spirit of God? How do we obtain it? How do we, how do we live in it? How do we take its guidance and its protection and its, its discernment? It's the Word of God. The Spirit is the Word of God. It's been here since the beginning. And it's here till the end. Say in the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning of what? Beginning of everything. Amen? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God has always been there. Don't look at it, look at it like the Spirit of God is some third wheel on a date with the Trinity. No. It is just as righteous. In fact, it's named the Holy Ghost. It is holy. Because he is holy. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Church, we need to be properly prepared and we cannot do it if we do not have the spirit of God. Verse 18 ends, and many of us read this scripture of armor and we just stop right there, right at the salvation. We don't read in context, we don't read before, we don't read after. Verse 18 says, and pray in the spirit. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be what? Alert. And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Man, we need the Spirit of God. This world needs the Spirit of God. This church needs more of the Spirit of God. Hebrews 4.12, and Pastor Vaughn used this uh, in week one, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit. Get it? The Word of God will separate flesh from spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It will separate your emotions from fact. It will separate sincerely subjective to obviously objective. So if you have any question, get more of the Spirit of God by reading the Word and all of a sudden you'll have a little bit of discernment on what's true, what's not true, and what's true to you. 
So when did the Spirit come? You don't have to turn here, but I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures. John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything. This I have said to you. John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Advocate to help you and be with you forever. John 15, 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. John 16, 7, but verily, truly, I tell you, for it is for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Lastly, John 14, 5 through 7, Lord, said Thomas, we do not know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father as well. For now you do not know him, you do know him and have seen him. So when we talk about where is the Spirit, when did it come? It came when Jesus ascended. The Spirit is alive and hovering in this earth. And for us believers who have received salvation, who have received Christ and put our faith in Him, have the Spirit of God. But we quench it. We quench it with busyness, with stress, with anxiety, with fear. None of those are a Spirit of the Lord. None of those. And yet we do not seek it to be prepared so that we would have peace. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This term, title, word, in the Greek is, tra is translated logos which basically means the expression of thought. In the beginning, God's expression of thought was here. It's actually Jesus embodying the total message. That's why he's called the Word of God. He's embodied by it, not as a human word, but as an expression of it. So the Spirit is an expression of God. Jesus embodies all of God, but the Spirit is an expression and thoughts of God. So if you want more of the Spirit, this is where you go. This is the Word. If you want more discernment, this is how you find it. Ever had questions to life? This is it. But many of us want to turn to Dr. Joyce Meyer or Oprah or call a friend that we haven't talked to in a while because we know they're going to say exactly what we want them to say. So when the Bible says we separate truth from reality and uh, truth from your emotions, that's what it does. The Spirit of God does that. I'd like you all to turn to Psalms 119. We're going to spend a little time in Psalms 119. And it is not a coincidence, so I won't say coincidence. It's not ironic, so I'm not going to say ironically. But because my message lands in the exact middle of the Bible, the center of the truth, 
we're going to get to the center of the truth. Psalms 119 is the exact center of the Bible. And we're going to spend um, a few minutes in there. And I'd like you to start with 105. Psalms 119, verse 105. I should probably get there too. Psalms 119, verse 105. Man, I can no longer see under these lights. Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God's word, the spirit of God, will give you direction in anything you come across. It's so interesting to me that it doesn't say God's Word or your word is a lighthouse to me. Like, show me everything. No, God's not going to show you everything because he knows what you're going to do once you see everything. It doesn't say that God will give you uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he's a lamp unto our feet so that you'd have to look down and take a step by step by step because God wants to be near to you and we need to be near to God. That's how you get guidance. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet. James 4.8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Wait, what? Cleanse? What's our series? Soap? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. When you draw near to God through the Word of God, things get washed. Things get cleansed. Your heart, your hands, your thoughts, your mind. You see where we're going with this? Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to, again, cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Soap for a dirty world. A clean series. The Word of God gives us direction. And be properly prepared. When you have direction, you can be properly prepared for whatever may come your way. You're not worried about the future. You're not worried about planning for those specific things that you have no idea are about to happen. But when you're prepared and grounded in the Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, you can be prepared. It may be a death in the family. How are you prepared for that? Is your faith in Christ? Did you get a chance to share Jesus with that man? Do you imagine how some of us would feel if we weren't confident that Louis now is in the presence of the Lord? The Bible tells us that being absent from the body is now presence with the Lord. How would you feel if none of us shared the good news with him? We talked about that last week. Our family, our friends are dying 
And none of us want to stand up and be an advocate for Jesus and say, listen, Jesus changed my life. I'm not perfect. I didn't say I was. But I can tell you, I no longer desire to do the things I used to do. Because what? You've been cleansed. Cleansed by what? By the Spirit. And the more you get into this, the more you can be cleansed. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Gives you direction. And having direction is joyful to understand that you know where to go. There's a sense of joy that comes with assurance. We know that the Spirit of God and the Word of God teaches us about love. Love, when we think about one of the famous scriptures of the history, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It teaches us sacrifice, the the definition of love. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Spirit of God will properly prepare you for love. Will properly prepare you to have joy. Psalms 119, same chapter. Let's go back to uh, verse 28. Psalms 119, same chapter, verse 28. Make clear to me the way of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul melts with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove me from the path of deceit and graciously grant me your law. Meditating on your wonders. Strengthen me according to your word. Do you rely on the word of God and its promises? Or do we just rely on what we see? You know, Jesus said, blessed are those that believe that do not see. He was telling that to his friends. He was telling that to the city of Judea. Psalms 119 again, verse 110 through 112. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. You know what precepts are? Precepts are direction, commands, principles, order. Those are precepts. Here Solomon's saying, I have not strayed from your, your, your precepts. Your statues are my heritage forever. They are what? The joy of my heart. When you have the Spirit of God, there is joy in your heart. And nobody can explain it even in the toughest times. Amen. Don't kid yourself. It's hard to count it all as joy like James 1-2 says. When you're facing trials and tribulations. It's difficult to be at peace and to be joyful. But there are times where all of us experience it. And there's are times where we see it in somebody else. They could be going through something horrific. And they are so at peace. That you were, you were surprised by that. That's the joy of the Lord. That's the spirit of God inside of them. That's somebody who's properly prepared. 
Your statues are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is setting on keeping your degrees to the very end. Referring to the word of God. Man. Love. Joy. Peace. The spirit of God gives us all of that. And it's all in the word. Out of those three books, do you think the biography of Steve Jobs gives you love, joy, or peace? Do you think the Hunger Games series gives you love, peace, or joy? The Bible does. You don't even have to go far. Just look up love or peace or joy. Google it. Ask Alexa, whatever. Look it up. She'll tell you Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. Do you need any more than that? There's actually six verses in that chapter. But knowing that the Lord is your shepherd, the Spirit of God is giving you love, joy, and peace just by telling you that the God who was there at the beginning of time who created all of this in you and me is your shepherd. Let's read on. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And yet, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you. And fear is not a Spirit of God. Thou art with me, your rod and staff comfort me. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. God will set a table for you to dine with him in the midst of your enemies. So when the Bible says vengeance is of the Lord's, think of that picture. I was talking to a, a, a young woman earlier today, struggling. People are saying tough things and speaking death onto her. And she's, she's trying to rebuke him. And she's trying to be merciful and loving and kind. And this word is for you. Just remember, God is going to prepare a, a, a table in the midst of your enemies for you and you alone. You're anointing my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, the greatest way to enjoy love, peace, joy, is to get in your word and be properly prepared for whatever God may bring you. Whatever he may bring you to. Some of us get to a mountain, we're like, I don't know how to climb. Well, maybe God's not going to teach you how to climb. He's going to give you a detour. Some of us go up to a, a, a junction of highways and we're like, well, which way do we go? But we never, we never seek God's wisdom. We never seek his discernment. Some of us want to switch jobs and just do it based on salary. Some of us want to uh, just do things our own way when I just shared with you that your ways are not God's ways. Amen. I just shared with you that the Bible, the Spirit of God, the Word of God that was there in the beginning... It's contradictory to how you and I think. 
So if that's the truth, which we all agree, correct? And we all lack love, peace, and joy, what's the answer? The Word of God has the answer. It is the answer. The Spirit of God will share things with you that you have never understood. It even told when he was telling the disciples in, in, in John chapter 14, verse 26, he said, listen, it'll teach you things and remind you of things. So the things that it teaches you that you forget, it'll remind you. Do you need more of a comforter or a teacher or a protector or a provider than that? Those who tremble at his word. I wonder how our lives would be if we relied on the word of God. I wonder how much love we would have for others if we relied on the word of God. I wonder how much peace people would see in us and how much peace we would exude if we relied on the word of God. I'm wondering in the midst of this world and all its evil, how much joy we could have if we relied on the word of God. Do you know that the Bible tells everything, tells us everything that's already going on? Do you know, you know, from front and back in the beginning, they were there, God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. You know, in the end, we win. I read you the first scripture of the Bible. Let's read the last scripture of the Bible. Oh, have you ever been there to Revelation? Last scripture of the Bible. It's okay, you don't need to turn there. If I can read it, I will. Revelation chapter 2, 21. The grace and the peace of the Lord be with all men and the saints. That's the end of the story. That is the end of the story. Grace and peace be with all saints. Want to know what's going to happen? Read the Word of God. Want a little more love in your, in your marriage? Read the, Word of the God. Read the Word of God. Want to have a little more peace at work? Read the Word of God. Want to have joy in the midst of tribulations? Be properly prepared and read the Word of God. When we talk about soap and a clean series for a dirty world and evangelism, how do we share these things when we're not properly prepared? I mean, somebody might be dealing with anxiety and you go off and tell them, hey, Jesus is at the door knocking. You just got to answer. Well, how does that relate to that person? Are you prepared for that opportunity? Are we properly prepared to share the word of God? We're not if we don't have it in us. If it's not written on our hearts. Um, I'm going to land this very soon. I want to share a couple things with you real quick. Maybe I don't have it. Isaiah 66. Turn there with me. 
Bear with me. Second to last scripture I want to share with you. Ooh, it's going to get good. Say amen when you're there. I'm sorry, the only reason I don't grab my Bible is I can't see under these spotlights. Isaiah 66, verse 1, we will start there. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? So they came into being, declares the Lord. So what is he saying? Isaiah, one of the great prophets, is saying that even at this moment, the Lord's telling Solomon, hey, thanks for the temple. Thanks for this beautiful church and this beautiful building. But didn't I make all this? Didn't I create the dirt and the rock, the stones that made the cement that you put the bricks together? Didn't I create the oil, the water for you to be able to light lamps? Didn't I create all of this? Your fingers that did the labor, all of this. What would you do for me? The Lord is telling Solomon. These are the ones I took on with favor. This is very important. So the Lord is not rebuking Solomon, but just challenging him on where his heart is. Saying, hey, thanks for this great temple. It's amazing. It's special. But let me tell you who I have favor on. In other words, thank you for doing that work, but let me share you what work gets my attention. Can you say amen? amen? The verse says, These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. This is... Ray McHale's version in Brea. Want God's, want God's attention? Be humble, be contrite in spirit, and read the word and understand it. Because trembling at the word means that you understand that this will separate truth from reality. Trembling at the word understands that this is going to tell you it's not going to line up with your personal emotions and feelings most of the time. Trembling at the word is understanding that, man, Lord, I know my flesh is weak. My heart is exceedingly wicked. So what do you want me to do? And really, God ought to say, just do the opposite of what you want to do. We should be okay. I can get to you where I need you. God is saying, Solomon, thank you for this building, for this temple. But the ones I have favor on are those that are humble, contrite in spirit, and tremble at my word. Want God's favor? Humility needs to be part of your life. Trembling at his word. God's, God's attention. Attention when there is trouble in our lives, our strife, and the absence of feeling loved or having joy, that's when we dive into the Word. God desires it completely opposite. We need to be full of love, full of joy, and full of peace, even in tough times. And even more so when everything is going your way. Trembling God's Word. Last scripture, Psalms 119, verse 165. I just told you the last scripture of the Bible 
says that he will bring us peace to the saints. Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law. Oh, those who love the word of God, those who are properly prepared, those who are filled with the spirit of God have peace. Is that what you're saying? And nothing causes them to stumble. Why is all this so important? Why is this series, evangelism, why is this all important? We have a duty. Because we know the Lord, we need to share Him. We have a responsibility, a great privilege. The Bible says that when, when you're faithful a little, I'll give you much more. If you're just faithful with the salvation and the testimony that God's given you, He will begin to give you discernment and wisdom and the ability to preach and speak and to, to be evangelistic anywhere you go with ease, without even opening a Bible. But that Spirit of God has to be in you. So why do we need the Spirit? Week one, sincerely subjective, cleaning our hands, understanding that the Spirit has given us a testimony. Week two, obviously objective, the Word of God is true. Week three, being alert and aware, when you have the Spirit of God, things look different to you. And you look different at things. So I'm going to land. I'm going to share this with you because we all understand that sometimes we need to look backwards to look forward. Sometimes we need reflection in the past to see what may be in the future. Sometimes we have to look at what God has delivered us from. Sometimes we have to notice the warning on our rearview mirrors that objects behind you may appear closer than they appear or appear closer than they are. There's a reason why your rear view is a little smaller than your windshield. It's a good reflection ratio. You look back and see where you came from to be able to see where you go. So uh, we look back, love, peace, and joy, and this is why. Because now we're going to look forward. We look to be loved we seek joy when times are tough, and we search for peace when the storms are rising. We are diving into the world and begging in prayer and for the Spirit to meet us in troubled times. When in fact, our daily principles, our precepts, should be staying in the Word, being properly prepared, always alert of life and death opportunities, being, being observant in times to evangelize, obviously being objective, sharing the truth, and lastly, sincerely subjective to share our testimony. And with that, I'm going to ask you to stand. And stand and grab your Bible because the last scripture, Izzy, come on up. We're going to read together. So turn with me to Galatians 5, 22, verse 23. 23 through 23, Galatians chapter 5. Mm -hmm. 
Don't make me sing this verse to you. Because I will. You saw me struggling. A big man with a squeaky voice up here. But I'm going to share with you why this is so important. Why we need to be properly prepared. Why we need to be alert and aware and objective and subjective. Is everyone there? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. It goes on. But this is the first trinity of, of three trinities that relate to the fruit of the Spirit. Want the Spirit inside of you? You should have love, peace, and joy. Right off the bat. Everything else will come together. There's a reason why it's love, joy, and peace. If you don't have that, you can't add the rest. If you don't have love, how can you have joy? If you're not joyful, how could you be at peace? Properly prepared. The benefit is, we get the fruit of the Spirit. When you're in the Word, which is the Spirit of God, fruitfulness comes. And that fruit is love, joy, and peace. There's no other way around it. A person, a place, a thing, nothing will bring these things to you. We haven't even touched the rest of the fruits of the Spirit. There's nine of them. These are just the first three. We just focused on the main trinity fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. How do we get it? you got to dive into the Word. You gotta be properly prepared. You gotta love on those who need love. You gotta be father to children who don't have a father. You gotta be a friend to somebody who's living in depression or in anxiety. You gotta love on the most rude, explicit, speaking, crazy coworker you've ever thought of. You know what the Bible calls that? When you love somebody that much, it's like pouring a heat of coals on your head. Imagine, Bobby, bald head. Imagine coals. So much love that you, you shock them. You surprise them. You burn it into our hearts. I forgive you, brother. No, per no offense taken. That's it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine responding to somebody like that? No offense taken. I'm okay. Man, I've got love. I've got joy. I've got peace. No offense taken, brother. And people looking like, what? This boy's lost his marbles. No, I'm just filled with the Spirit. And the only way to be filled with the Spirit is to get in your Word. But I'm telling you, it won't come with just prayer alone. It won't come just in the closet when times are tough. If you're not in the Word when times are good, you won't be properly prepared. So I'm going to open the altar. Come for prayer. Ask God to be as grateful as you are in good times as you are in the tough times. Can you imagine telling the one who controls all, 
thank you for putting in me putting me in a tough time right now because I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm either going to understand a detour, I'm going to learn how to climb, you may remove the mountain, you may teach me to go around it, you may teach me to go above it, whatever it is, I'm grateful. God says, man, there's a humble heart right there, a contrite spirit, and somebody who trembles at my word finds what with God? Favor. Isaiah 56, 12. That's how you find favor. Humility, contrite, and trembling at the word of God. Give myself away. Man, what a cool song to end this message. I give myself away. You have my plans. You know my future. Have your way at it, Lord. You don't need to involve me. You know I'll just mess it up. I look at, you know, I talked to you about our, our anniversary. We have six kids. I never thought I'd be responsible enough for a bike, let alone six children 44 years later, 45 years later. Come on. That's growth. That is that is, that is God saying, hey, when you're faithful with little, I'll give you more. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You put a life into my hands. I'm supposed to raise this, take care of it, prepare for it, love on it. And now I've become more of what he's called me to be. Now I pray over it. Now I pray into it. Now I teach him scriptures. Now I have summer school with him at home. I mean, these things were far from my mind 25 years ago. Far from it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace in all. There's no coincidence. When you give yourself away, my life is not my own. The song says, my life is not my own. Live that way. See what God will do with a humble, contrite spirit and somebody who trembles at his word. Let's pray. Father, have your way in this place right now. Oh, Spirit, we've spoken of you highly as we should. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, we believe in you. We thank you for being the comforter, the provider. We thank you for, for being there, for being left behind as Jesus told his disciples, to teach us all things, to remind us of all things. We thank you for the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit.